Oh my God. We're on. For reals? For We're real on. Life? We're on. We're working. We're doing it. We're All doing right. it, doing it. Speed round. Speed round. <laughs> hey everyone. Welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your host, Bailey. Welcome to spooky season. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> round the. We are a bottle of wine and a full truly can deep. Yeah, we've been at this for an hour and a half. Oh my god. Trying to get up in the middle. Our computer did not want to work. Spoiler alert. <sighs> to kick off spooky season, we are doing a case that has to do with Ed and Lorraine Warren. If you're an OG, you know. And you also know possibly that every goddamn time we try to do the Warrens, we have fucking technical difficulties. Yeah, I was telling you over our very long pause that had you not pointed it out to me, I would have forgotten every episode. Every episode. Every Warrens episode, we go through this shit. Yeah, you, please, listeners, go back. We get fucked so hard every time we do this, and we keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> we keep fucking doing it. We keep doing it. So... <clears throat> If we sound a little drunk, we are, we are a little drunk, <laughs> but you know, we're doing it. It's to kick off spooky season. We're not doing a very serious case this time, so I don't feel that bad about it, but we are here and we are ready to go. So let's paint the picture. It is a beautiful, cloudy, rainy night here in Northern California. Last night was tremendous thunder and lightning and rainstorms. Yes. And it's just been rainy and cold ever since. Yeah. It's I'm loving it. It's what we needed, like I said, to match our fucking depression, our cold souls. This is what we need to pick us up. That's right. Mm-hmm. Give me the rain. Give me the clouds. Give me the leaves changing. Give me a bottle of wine. Give me a sad Zach Bryan song. And a scary movie. And some candles on and leave me alone. And let's do it. All right. All right, what are we starting with? We've been talking for so for long, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. We've had to stop ourselves so many times because it's like we can't talk about this until we're recording. Okay, let me just blow through the news real quick, and then you've got reviews, and we'll do I reviews. I have a review, okay. yes. Okay, all right. So, since we last recorded, it's been multiple fashion weeks. There's been oh. New York Fashion Week and Paris Fashion Week. I guess and- I live under a rock. Um. Well, I mean, did you see Timothy Chalamet and Kylie front row at no. Fashion Week together sure now that didn't. they're official? Yeah. yeah. I saw them at the U.S. Open. Yeah. Anyways, I thought it was hysterical that a YouTube prankster walked out at Fashion Week in New York in a trash bag and no one even batted an eye. Right. They're like, oh, it's a vision. No one even thought anything of it. That's and, funny. And of all the looks. Who was it? Uh, Just some rando? Fred buyer mm. yeah but yeah it's like he wore a shower cap and a trash bag and like a bathing suit and everyone was just like wow like all the people in front row are like really like analyzing the look it's like the episode of i love lucy where she wears a potato sack oh wow that's taking it back oh, i'm a big lucy fan oh that's yeah. my girl Whew. i love me some lucy uh shout out to the funeral home that put probably haunted on their for sale sign <laughs> <laughs> that's so perfect for tonight's episode i really like that energy <laughs> ah, so funny <laughs> brought them a lot of attention i'm sure were they in new orleans no let's see did i put where it was 
Meow, meow, meow. That's okay. Massachusetts. Yeah, everything is in Massachusetts. It's probably haunted. I just know in New Orleans, like Everything's apartments haunted. for rent, you have we'll to put, put haunted or not haunted. Mm-hmm. No, I think they were just looking for attention. Yeah. Well, they but got I'm, it. I'm, I'm for it. Did you see the fucking guy that hulked out on the golf course? Uh-uh. Okay. Well, I don't think I've done anything besides disassociate. Look at this week. guy. Okay. Look at this guy. This guy fucking roid raged on a golf course. Like okay. golf to about me. About what? Of all the sports. Who fucking knows? About a golf cart? I don't know. It says full Hulk guy is permanently banned from Michigan golf course where he ripped off his shirt and ordered a woman to get the fuck off her golf <laughs> cart. Also barring him from nearby resorts. Literally, you could never do that around me because the way I would point and laugh at you like, and mock and you in public. And he looks like a small man. Yeah, small dick energy right there. Okay. We talked about the Taylor Swift numbers. We were just talking about the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey numbers that are They're lining, lining up. up. Okay. And I told you that I didn't want to go too much into it because yeah. that's it. Like, they're the news. And they're period. everywhere. That, they are the news. Everyone's tired of hearing but it. But, bitch, did you see what came from her being at the game? What? His 400% ketchup and ranch, baby. Oh. <laughs> Apparently, someone clocked her eating chicken fingers yeah. with ketchup mixed with ranch. So they were in separate dollops. Mm-hmm. I know what picture they're talking okay, about. Yeah. That's so funny. And so Heinz is fucking capturing that and they're going to bankroll on it. Dude, and- all of this stuff is so crazy. NFL changed their profile and all their social media to Taylor was here. Mm-hmm. It's wild the way the Swifties and the NFL people are joining forces and they're both welcoming each other. Yeah. At least this is what I'm seeing on my TikTok. Yeah. The NFL guys, like my husband's a huge Pat McAfee fan okay. who has like a podcast. Sure. The way that him and all the football bros are like welcoming welcoming in the Swifties mm-hmm. and teaching Swifties about football. The way Swifties were panicked trying last Sunday to figure out how to watch football. Did you see like Taylor made notes? She had a cheat sheet. So that was it wasn't Taylor, but oh. it was somebody in the box. OK, probably one of her friends or something. Either way. Um, and also the thing about Swifty lore is when she goes to her stage because she doesn't want people to see her. She goes in like this clearly fake janitor's cart. They think that they put it's her the in popcorn. a popcorn. Of course yeah, it is because the- she's doing the same bullshit. So the janitor's cart for her tours, not just the heiress tour, all of her tours that she sits in is this big giant cart that has like perfectly clean, brand new, like mops and brooms just never been out used. of it yeah. you're like why does that janitor cart have the four cleanest. mops and some brooms yeah. in it like obviously taylor's in there mm-hmm. so yeah this popcorn, popcorn cart is big enough for a person to sit in and then just has a bag of popcorn on top of yeah. it you're like why is there a bag on top of the popcorn <laughs> cart like we swear to God, guys, there's popcorn in here. No, my my TikTok is giving me all the same shit. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, but lo- and then the Swifties are teaching the NFL people about like Taylor Swift is that bitch and well, she's in it. That's what my feed was. Is it's all the NFL announcers, but they're slipping Taylor songs. Yeah, into lyrics the- in there. Yes, mm-hmm. and the warnings to Travis, like you better watch your P's and Q's, or you're gonna have a hot fifteen coming at you, a whole album. Yes. 
I love it. I love the whole thing. Okay. Did you see, I think it was yesterday. I think this is like hot, fresh fucking news. They arrested Tupac's yes. killer. Mm-hmm. They think that they finally have, what's his name? Keith D. And he said like years ago that he memoir. killed Tupac. Yeah. They tried to link it, I guess, in a Netflix documentary to his nephew. Okay. But that could, well, and the motherfucker said he did it. So it's like. Take his word yeah. for it. So he has finally been arrested. And I'm just like, that to me is more exciting than aliens, I think. Yeah. But also, fuck that guy. I know. No, I just mean like that they actually. I know. No, um, I'm excited too. I just yeah, mean like, fuck, fuck that, that guy. guy. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> also, is Gypsy Rose on there? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. That's okay. when I get into like my related pod news. Okay, okay. 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 So last episode, we talked about all the horrible things that happened in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot what last episode you was. Even well, we have fucking three weeks now. What was right? la- What do we do last? Oh, the serial killer in Alaska. Yes. The okay. baked Alaska. The butcher, <laughs> the butcher <laughs> baker of Alaska the or whatever. Alaska. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, a TikToker traveler person found a remote Alaskan village that's run by dogs. It's basically all the people that live there have dogs. The dogs okay. just get to roam around mm-hmm. at their own will. Like you're at the cafe and yeah. you get your latte or whatever and you sit down. You better be prepared to share your muffin with the dogs. Whoa. Because like the dogs. Are they all like old sledding dogs? Well, that. God damn it. You're smart. So what is my- absolutely the roots of the town. That is yeah. where. Yes. Um, one of my favorite books of all time growing up was a book called Scrub Dog of Alaska. OK. And it was about basically just a sledding dog in Alaska. The town of McCarthy was once the dog mushing capital yeah. of Alaska. Yeah. So Scrub Dog of Alaska probably takes place there. Yeah. So cute. Hey, if anyone, hey, it still holds up. I just read it a few years ago because my mom got like a random copy of it, knowing it was my favorite book growing up. So she bought it for sentimental reasons. And I read it. I'm like, still a great fucking book. I bet. Yeah. But just the idea of like crossing a bridge and entering a town where you're just going to be well, like greeted it's interesting, by dogs. And it's also interesting to read a book through a dog's perspective. Yeah. Because the whole time you are scrub. Oh my Dog God. of Alaska. We're already depressed enough. I know. But it's no. a happy ending. It's no. a happy. Did you see the movie? I think it's Richard motherfucking gear or somebody <laughs> where it's like a husky type dog where the guy like goes to work and the dog will wait for him to come home every day. And one day he doesn't fucking come home and that's it. That's all the dog will do. It just sits there waiting. I don't think I've ever yeah. seen the movie. I, I watched s- it with my mom one day and that's it. We were just like, that's the movie. Who made this fucking movie just for us to cry about this dog? <laughs> I was just telling my client today because I had a client today who I have not seen in a long time. I was like, man, she must be busy. She came in today a thousand months pregnant. Like she's due wow. at the end of October. I'm so, like, yeah. well, that's where you were. Uh-huh. And so we were just talking about pregnancies and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, I really fucked up when I was pregnant my first time. And I watched Marley and me and cried so hard. I thought I was going to throw up. I've never seen it. Don't I, do it. I know. I, like that and Old Yeller. I refuse to watch it. I would what? say Marley and me is sadder than Old, old Yeller. Yeah. What's the point? 
because Old Yeller takes place in such kind of uh, it's so different from our lives. Yeah. You can kind of like not relate to it. Real quick, I met you the year we had to watch like where the red or where read, the red friend grows, yeah, and we um, had to read where um, the red friend grows. I'm still fucked up. By so that. is Kai. I'm still fucked up. My oldest had to read it in their sixth grade, and they'll never get over it. I'm not. I'm not over it either. I know. But like when I when I watched Marley and Me, I was pregnant with my first baby. We had our dog who we had gotten as a puppy and had for years when it was just the two of us. We had the dog and then we got pregnant. And then the whole thing goes from there. And I'm like, this is going to be my life. The dogs, the kids are going to grow up with the dog and the dog is going to get old and the dog is going to be sleeping in the kid's bed and the dog's going to fucking die. Yeah, it it totally happened. happened just like that. And I cried so hard yeah, I, I thought i was gonna that. be sick i don't need to watch that no you don't but anyways yes yes i'm with you okay all right what should we watch no just kidding we're, we're not there yet more oh. news okay they have a new person of interest in the john bonnet ramsey case i kind of saw this but i didn't know they like zeroed in on a person i saw that they had like diagnosed some dna evidence to be fair they have several yeah new people on their radar radar um i guess really what they're saying is every day dna technology is changing and they are changing with it and however they've been saying that every (laughs) few years in that case for decades now Yes. So then more relevantly, Miss Gypsy Rose Blanchard will be released as early as this December. Let's go, Queen. Right. Which is three years earlier than her original release date. We love it. We're on her side. Absolutely. We are. And this that's why I copied this part of the article. It says now at 32 years old. She said in interviews from prison, she feels more free behind bars than she ever did living with her mother. Of course. So it doesn't matter. So the opportunity now to be actually given a life yeah. is beyond anything. And 32, that's young, baby. You, we have a whole life ahead of beyond us. Beyond anything she ever could have imagined. Yeah. And she's married, isn't she? No, because that guy, well, the guy that killed with her got a life sentence. No, she I think she got married. Else? Oh, well, then I don't know. And actually, I think she got married behind bars. Mm. How crazy to think, though, maybe that like. Well, I mean, I guess she always had a release date, so it's not like you think like, oh, she'll never get out. Right. And you marry somebody. OK. On another up note. Halloween filmmaker legend John Carpenter is back on the screen after a 13-year hiatus. Whoa. To bring us a Peacock original on October 13th. Listen, this is a big date for us. Friday the 13th in October. It's called Suburban Screams. Okay. It's a six-episode series that's going to explore true stories of horror that came from America's picturesque hometowns can't wait sounds like real podcast future episodes sounds incredible yeah so each episode is gonna go into a first-hand account of what happened in a suburban neighborhood okay incredible so on that i have my reviews hit me with yours so last night during our torrential thunder and lightning storms which was so fun um i know that power went out at the club yes 
ours at the house, it was like mine was flickering. Yeah, it was so fun. Joe's a couple blocks down, lost power. Okay, downtown lost power because okay. the salon lost power, and my coworker who lives downtown lost power. Okay. So we, we got I think lucky. We were just on the yeah. brink. But yes, his lights were flickering, and I was we watched. You are not invited to my bat mitzvah. <gasps> I watched it too. So good. Okay, girl, I will tell you, I had to fast forward through the best friend's bat mitzvah. I couldn't do it. The cringe? I felt so... <laughs> no, we mu- sat through it, baby. I, I couldn't... There were so no many spoilers. parts of that movie that I felt so yeah. powerfully like I just So that so that brings up my my um review of it which is cuz those are both Adam Sandler's daughters and his wife. And no that's he, not his wife. Not the one he's married to. She's the other mom. She's the best friend's mom. It's oh, the wife. hottie. It's the hottie with wife. the body. Cuz I'm all his wife in the movie is Idina Menzel who's Elsa. Correct. No, the other yeah. the best friend. Yeah, the mom hottie. That's doing the divorce. Okay. That's Adam's. Adam. That's Adam. Adam. <laughs> but yeah, his girls kill it. Incredible. They're so good. The eldest, Nick was like her fucking sense of humor. Yeah. Oh my God. She nailed it. Oh, I mean, she's Adam Sandler's I know, daughter. But still, you don't automatically I have know. that. The timing. No, I think they both did great. Mm-hmm. And what I was going to say is. As somebody who also has a 13-year-old kid, you can tell he's in the trenches with teens and preteens. He fucking nailed, nailed it. it. He nailed it with he always does. today's preteens and today's teenagers. And I thought he did such a good job yeah. of like making fun of the situation, but also being respectful and kind and being kind to teenage girls because that's some real shit and i did i felt it for me to have to fast forward because i couldn't i felt that shit in my my soul i'm like (laughs) it put me right back in middle school which i don't want to be there and i felt it man i'm like this is hard oh yeah they nailed it so good so that's what we watched last night during the lightning storm well good i'm glad you brought it up because i wasn't sure if it was like pod material but i and my son, who, so... I felt all of it. I bet you my oldest would like it, but my son, who's 11 and has m- most of his friend group is girls, he Could thought it was harder. really funny. Yeah. He liked it a lot. He yeah. totally got it. Yeah. And he thought it was really funny. All the parties mm-hmm. and then the, the, the actual, the little, the... I don't even know what ethnicity is supposed to be. Is he Latino? Like, oh, the little kid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my I God. did like that because it, it, you know, no spoiler alerts, but all the kids in it are going to Hebrew school together, so they're all obviously Jewish, but they don't necessarily necessarily fit the like stereotype of what you think of as like a Jewish kid, right? Because that's Judaism. he was a chosen. Judaism Ju- is a religion, not mm-hmm. a race. Yeah. So it's great to see all the different representations. Yeah. We grew up with a ton of Jewish kids. Mm-hmm. So that was really fun to see. And I really liked that everybody looked their age. Yeah. When she was like, he's the hottest guy in seventh grade. And, he and he's a literal like seventh grader. You're like, yes. Oh, right. That's what it should be. It's not some 22 year old. Trying to pass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like that everybody looked their age. I thought it was very cute. 
And Adam Sandler's daughters fucking killed it. Agreed. Agreed. I'm so glad you brought it up. Five stars. I, I would have let it pass. Mazel tov. We loved it. Mazel. Mazel. We loved it. Well, again, since we're speaking about things that we love, I wanted to tell you earlier about mine and Nick's new favorite show. Yes. And we're sleepers on it. It's got three fucking seasons. Oh. Apparently, and the only reason we even heard about it is because of Bobby. Okay. Ash versus Evil Dead. Never even heard of it. The fucking TV show on Stars. Okay. Right? Ash from obviously the fucking Evil Dead yeah, movies yeah, yeah. with his chainsaw and everything. He's giving everything. I've never even heard of this. I know. Thank you. You were validating because <laughs> I no had Bobby not told us, I never would have heard so of it. So, wait, what channels? What was. It, Originally on stars. Okay, so it can be violent and everything. Oh, it's yeah. Everything. Wow. Oh my god. So listeners might recall my scathing you hated it. review of the last movie. Yes, you hated it. Because they just took the name and just did whatever they wanted yeah. with it. It had nothing no... to do with the origins. Mm-mm. And this is everything. To do with the origins. Yes. It is literally OG Bruce Campbell with his chainsaw hand as Ash 30 years later. Okay. I think it starts during the pandemic. Love it. Right? And so just from the first episode, just the the sex and the drugs and the violence and the humor. Yes. It's giving. Yeah. It's what you needed. And they're like 30 minutes and it's great because you've been saying this whole time. There's nothing out that's putting me in the mood. But for these TV shows, man, they're, they're killing, killing it. it. Um, you recommended on the last episode, there is the Max TV version of Interview with a Vampire. Which I didn't even watch yet. It's sexy. Yes. It is slow Southern New Orleans. Yes, I'm watching it. Okay. So the Brad Pitt character is now a young African-American mm -hmm. like gay man. Yeah. Just fucking sexy. Yes. Just give mm. it to me, baby. Did you ever watch True Blood? Because of you. Yeah. It's yeah. giving Lafayette. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then we've got the Tom Cruise blonde French coming in picking him up, taking him under his wing mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. just the whole, the sexual tension okay, and, and the, the sex work in new Orleans and the partying and the, it's uh, good. Oh yeah. Okay. It's slow. I don't mind slow, but that's what I, it's, it, it gives, um, what I liked is it picks up kind of where it left off in that it's like, we never finished our interview. Okay. Again, it's pandemic. It's like the world's going mad. Now might be a time where like the vampires might, I don't know, whatever. And he's like, this is when I want to re-enter, like introduce my story. Okay. Like I think it might be more relevant now. Mm -hmm. um, so it does kind of pick up with the movie where you could have not seen the movie and still know kind of what's going on yeah because it brings in this guy to interview this vampire and you're like okay and then and i like past. that it's a continuance not a remake correct yeah 
Because so. as much as I love Interview with a Vampire, you're never going to be able to sell no. me on like the whole like being in love with a child. Well, that's what thing. I'm saying. For them to take the Brad Pitt and to make him this young, sexy, gay, yeah, black man, and it's just like, oh my god, just sell it to me. Like, yeah. I'll fucking bite my neck. I'm done. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. take me. I'm there. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm, all for it. No, love it, it. And then all the New Orleans and the just back in the day. And, Girl, yeah. you ain't got to sell me on New Orleans. I, I, it's my favorite city on earth. It's it's spooky. Put just me in, in the New name. Orleans before you put me in even like New York or New Orleans is my favorite place on earth. Yeah. So for me, like what I'm doing is like it's easy for me to just kind of like have on at work in the yeah. background. And I love it with this weather right now. Oh, Let's light yes. some candles and for, watch that shit. We're there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm on it. It's good. Okay. Another one of your recommendations you was. Know, I'm so good. Talk to me. Yes. Which I didn't know was an Australian movie. Okay. So that was a little surprise. And then outside of that, it, it's not really surprising. It's a typical seance type of movie. Yes. You're going to have this young person who went through something tragic, who's yearning to connect to the other side, right? And they're desperate to go to any length. I thought the twist in it was that they were like kind of getting off on being possessed. Oh, so it's like kind of like getting high. So that it's all fun and games until the the girl that does it is the one that lost their mom mm-hmm. and they got a taste of talking to their mom. And so the whole gimmick is, is as long as you only connect to the other side for like 60 seconds. OK, you're good. But she wants to stay there. anything longer. Mm-hmm. They have the opportunity to cross over and okay. linger. OK. With her, they went to like 90 seconds because and from there shit fucking escalates. Okay. And so the parts that were good were really good. Yeah. But the rest of it was slow and easy to predict. Yeah. You know, the acting was good. Okay. Yeah. How many knives? Three? Yeah. Three. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. It'll do on a rainy night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, duh. Okay. The whole fucking thing is a hand, right? And yes. talk to me. Yeah, you yeah. have to touch the hand. So because I watched that and I didn't get what I was looking for, what did I watch? Uh, um, um, Idle Hands. Absolutely. Yeah. I fucking did. <laughs> Absolutely. I fucking yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. And it was so good. Always good. It was good. so good. Oh, my gosh. The music. Yeah. The violence. The acting. It's funny. I mean, there's like, yeah, it's so funny. It's so immature and stupid yeah. and great. The fact that he's so high yes. that the devil takes over his hand and he just starts fucking killing everybody. Mm-hmm. Jessica Alba, her acting so, her dancing. Seth Green, her, Devin Sawa. What the fuck was Jessica Alba doing? I don't know. In her fucking little so angel great. outfit. I loved her. Dancing. Yeah, it's the best. Right. Her her lyrics, her Mm -hmm. super hard lyrics Mm -hmm. that she wrote. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's great. (laughs) It's the best. Oh, God. Tell me about Idle Hands. uh, 
the way Devin Sawa had a chokehold on. Well, me. that's why I kept when you were when we were talking about who Joe Burrow. Looks you were like saying Macaulay Culkin. I said Macaulay Culkin, and I said drugs. Devin Sawa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, feeling nostalgic. Yes, always. <sighs> we had the VMAs. Mm-hmm. With the NSYNC reunion. Yes. Which I didn't watch because I'm a million years old. Me that neither. shit's on a Sunday. I saw it on a TikTok. Yeah. I think I'm watching the VMAs. But I did watch their hot ones. I didn't even watch that. I did. Okay. Because I like hot ones. I love hot ones. I just didn't watch it. I'm yeah. excited for the Cardi B episode, though. Oh, I watched that one, too. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, I learned so much <laughs> in this hot ones episode. Really? I totally forgot first. That Lance was almost a cosmonaut? Yes. He almost went to space. I remember and that And he would have clearly. been like the youngest one? Yeah. The I remember it clearly. Bananas. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Um, apparently, everyone but Justin and Lance, so Chris, Joey, and JT, all got invited to be in a Star Wars movie. Oh. Like as Jedis or whatever. But when Star Wars fans found out, they did. They got <laughs> so upset. Yeah. Their shit got cut. Yeah, Star Wars fans will get upset over anything. Uh, um, and then the the it's gonna be May. It's gonna be May. Justin explained it. Yeah, it's because whoever produced their sound at the time, they were working under like a Swedish label. Okay. He's like, listen to a lot of our sounds. Like a lot of the sounds were super exaggerated, and they demanded him to do it with the fucking. They're like. No, you keep saying me. He's like, yeah, because that's the word. And they're like, no, it's going to be me. I thought it was just because he's Southern. No, he swears up and down that it's. I think he's full of shit. It haunts him. You can tell. Because the first of May every year. haunts him. In his face when he has to talk about it, it's not the hot sauce that's hitting him. It's the fucking haunting of this. Here's the haunting of Justin Timberlake for real. Is his hair a hairpiece? Because it looks fake as fuck. Oh, shit. Doesn't it look so fake to you? I don't even looking. Oh, you need to look again. I'll pay, I'll, I will. It looks like a toupee. I love it. I will absolutely look. <clears throat> I did see a funny clip uh, from back in the day when they were doing interviews and stuff, and they were asking Lance about having a girlfriend. And oh. his answer was, you know, with all of this stuff with NSYNC, like we're just so busy and if i were to have a girlfriend i want i would want to give her all of my time and attention and energy and i'm just too busy to give her what she deserves right now which is obviously a closeted answer because he was gay yeah and so then it was so funny because in the comments lance commented he's like that's right i was just too busy with the fingernail paint emoji well, and he was so funny. Um, his immediate, like, without even being asked, he was just like, oh, in case you were wondering, I'm I'm gay. <laughs> yes, we know, Lance. Yeah, yeah. With his purple hair. Now. Yeah, and your husband. We got it. Um, they have their new song out. For fucking trolls. It's okay. I don't want a trolls movie in sync. I want an in sync reunion tour. Right. What's it called? Who cares? I know. Even the song. Everything after Trolls 1 has been a downhill. But on a good throwback new song, what have you, Blink 182's new song. Have you heard it? No. That's my new cry song. Oh, 
I can't wait to hear it. It takes a lot to get you to cry. You talked about your cry song. Earlier. Yeah, off air. Oh, my God. I've cried to this song. (laughs) (laughs) I even told Violet. I'm like, Violet, you want to hear my new cry song? And she's like, no. (laughs) Why? Do you want to see me cry? It would be hilarious. Because... It's not even that the song is sad. The song is sad. Like other people are also making like TikTok memes, mm-hmm. like crying about it. But it hits you so it's so genuinely old school Blink 182. Yeah. I'm transported back in time. Yeah. I am, Again, back to middle school. I am in my room, mm-hmm. plastered in posters, yeah. writing in my diary. Yeah. Just in in your feels and you're like how did i make it to almost 40 as a mom how did that happen it's so it happened so quick yeah and just the lyrics and they're not trying to be anything other than blink 182 love it as they should why would they want anything else and the music video that accompanies it Mm -hmm. they just they do all the flashback pictures Ah. of them oh my god yeah i'll cry thinking about it right now (laughs) i'm so into it yeah i love it it gives me everything and that being said please get us into this week's motherfucking episode this is episode 99 one episode short of a hundred. How exciting! We were so close to giving up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Three years into it, and we finally made it to episode almost one hundred. This is ninety nine, and to kick off spooky season, we are going to review the movie "Haunting in Connecticut," which is based on the true story of the Snedker family. <laughs> okay. Sure. Again, I think we talked about this in the beginning. This is an Ed and Lorraine episode. This is a Warren's episode, which is why we had all the technical difficulties. But let's see. Maybe it's smooth sailing from now. If I do a good enough job, maybe the Warrens will bless me. Show our respects. That's right. Nothing but respect. I got everything for this episode from, of course, all things interesting. Obviously. A people.com interview. An article on NBC Connecticut, mm. and I watched a documentary. I just watched it for free on YouTube. I don't know where its origins are from, but it was a documentary called The Fear is Real, Reinvestigating the Haunting in Connecticut. Okay. All right. Ready to kick off spooky season? Let's go. Let's do it to it. In the mid-1980s in upstate New York, the Snedker family is a normal middle-class family. It's comprised of dad, Alan, mom, Carmen, and their kids, Philip, Bradley, Alan Jr., and Jennifer. Okay. All their kids. Got Already it. I have questions. Why is Philip the oldest, but three kids down? We have We've Alan Jr. Al- <laughs> I don't know. Al- I- Alan was a mistake, <laughs> and they needed to feel better about it. <laughs> yeah. So we got Philip, Bradley, Alan Jr., Jennifer. At 13 years old, they find a lump in Philip's neck and he is diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And unfortunately, he is given basically six months to live. Yep. The, so they seek out the best treatment they can find, which happens to be at the University of Connecticut, which round trip from their home in New York is about 306 miles 
round trip. Perfect. I didn't know where the starting point was. Okay. So the mom, obviously Carmen, because dad has to work. So Carmen is taking this kid to his, I would assume, weekly chemo treatments. Who knows? And that's a long trip every week. Mm -hmm. Plus, besides the cost of it and the time of it, the actual traveling itself during chemo, they feel like is not going to be good for Philip. It's just going to make him sicker. Of course. So they want to find a place in Connecticut closer to the hospital. They're having a hard time finding a place that is willing to rent to such a large family and also a place for the amount of money they have to spend Mm -hmm. on a rental. When one day Carmen's driving around and she sees a beautiful, large, white colonial house with a four rent sign in front. It is a five bedroom, two bath house. She calls the owner and she, first of all, can't believe the price. It's mm-hmm. way cheaper than she thought it would be. Of course. And he's ready to rent it out today. ASAP. Like, let's go. So this is like a miracle, mm-hmm. right? This is everything she's probably been praying and hoping for. But why? June 30th, 1986, fam- the Snedker family, plus Carmen's two nieces, Tammy and Kimberly. Okay. Move into this uh-huh. historic home located at 208 Meriden Avenue in Southington, Connecticut. Okie dokie. Her two nieces are with her. They're a little bit older than her kids, but their parents are going through kind of a nasty divorce. Yeah. And she's like, we got this big fucking house we're moving Let's into. Roll. Come on. The more the merrier. So the move in goes super smooth. Um, However, they start exploring all the nooks and crannies. They go down to the basement where they find boxes filled with embalming tools as well as other funeral equipment and like gurneys, the drawers where bodies were kept and just other stuff that leads them to believe this was obviously at some point a funeral home. Gotcha. There's any new listeners. Besides us already being drunk. If you're drinking If you'd along, like to get drunk with us. Or you're smoking along, please take a drink. Of uh, your herbal tea. <laughs> that's right. Whatever you're drinking, anytime you hear us, cheers. Mm-hmm. Mention a badass big sister. Mm-hmm. Mention a previous episode of THC. Mm-hmm. We hear the train. We spill something. And Monk. Or we mentioned Monk. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot Monk. Oh, my God. <gasps> And we already heard heard the world's loudest train earlier. I know. So. You guys missed it. We weren't recording. <laughs> now back to our regular programming. <laughs> our regular scheduled programming. So the family is shocked. Yes. They're like, what the fuck did we just move into? Whoa. Carmen, at her original tour of the house, didn't actually get to see the basement because they were doing some renovations on the house and the workers kind of just had that doorway blocked. Fair. Um. So she didn't get to see it. She calls the landlord and the landlord's like, yeah, it used to be the Hallahan funeral home for like decades. And you didn't think to disclose that up front, sir? Yeah. And she's like, "Okay, cool. The family cannot back out of this rental because they will lose their security deposit and their first and last month rent they put down. Yes. So they can't afford to back out now. So they keep on keeping on. And for some fucking reason, 
the two oldest of their kids, Philip and Bradley, decide that they're going to move into the basement because it has more room and it has more privacy. I mean, I guess so. Side note, the neighbors who have been there for a long time um, want it to be known that the Hallahan family lived and worked there. They ran their funeral home out of the basement. They lived in the upstairs portion and they never had any problems with that family. They were good, upstanding citizens who ran a clean business and they had none of the neighbors had anything bad to say about that family. Okay. So keep that in mind. All right. I will. The family also finds in the home pictures of deceased people and toe tags and like personal items that were just never picked up by families. That right. Right. Toe tags? (laughs) Not the toe tags. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) The first night in the house, Philip sees a young man with long black hair that goes down to his hips and has no eyes in his sockets. And he's just standing there staring at Philip. Cool. This starts a trend where Philip sees this guy all the fucking time. Okay. Sometimes he just stands there silently. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he talks to Philip and kind of just mutters threats under his like kind of low and okay. consistent. Yeah. Sometimes he just stands there and says Philip's name over and over again. Cool. So that's fucking terrifying. That's whatever. Philip, 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 Philip. I know. <laughs> that's not even easy to do. Well, he's got otherworldly powers. Yeah. The other kids do start to see. Things happen as well. They see other entities, um, although not as often as Philip sees his visions. The kids do see things and it gets to the point where they even start to know the different entities or ghosts, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. They can tell the difference between them and they know that those ghosts habits. Okay. So, you know, oh, that guy likes to go up and down the stairs. Oh, that's a little kid. He wow. likes to take our toys. He, they know their habits. Weird. So some things that they, um, experience their toys get played with and then like kind of thrown around their lights in their rooms flicker on and off. Of course, their parents don't believe them, but, Carmen does have a weird experience where she's mopping the floors and her mop water turns into this like thick red blood like liquid that has a real rancid smell like rotting flesh. But she, for whatever reason, thinks it's just something that she's mopping up. Just a coincidence. Ew. Just a coinky dinky red bloody substance. Cool. Now, Philip is the number one target by the spirits. Mm -hmm. The weakest. And he does. The family notices a real personality change in him. What used to be a very easygoing, likable kid has turned kind of dark and moody and violent. He has started to like write these really dark, kind of scary journal entries, which I believe his cousins actually point out to his mom and his mom's like, at this point, Philip has actually beat the cancer. Mm -hmm. And she's like, he just went through this traumatic experience. 
he's a young teen. This is how he's like expressing himself. Like this is nothing to worry about. This is like trauma being expressed. Sure. Right. Reasonable. Fair. Except for he starts to then also like abuse his siblings. Mm, He starts doing things like locking his younger brothers in trunks he takes his one brother and kind of gets him on this like they play with the fucking funeral stuff. They play with the gurneys and shit. So he puts his brother on a gurney. Mm. He starts spinning it and the brother's begging him to stop. Yeah. And he's he won't. Yeah. Again, locking him in trunks <laughs> and just kind of like lashing out, sort of like hitting mm. kids. Yeah. He eventually attacks his cousin Tammy so badly that professional intervention is sought out by his parents. His dad, in true dad form, is convinced that Philip is like, is the problem. That not only is Philip lashing out and being a dick, but he's convincing these other kids to like lie and say that this shit's happening when it's not happening. Sure. It's all Philip's fault. So they have Philip admitted to a psych ward where he spends 45 days there. And in those 45 days, he is diagnosed as a schizophrenic because he tells the doctors about these visions that he's having and the voices he's hearing and this like paranormal activity he's experiencing. And the doctor's like, oh, it's because you're fucking crazy. Yeah, I mean, sure. When Carmen for his mom, Carmen, when she first drops him off. She says that they lock him away in a very small room and he's like strapped down to like a bed because he's fighting back and he's screaming for her help and he's begging her, mom, don't leave me. Mom, don't leave me. Mom, don't leave me. And she's like, she starts to walk away and he stops begging her and then he looks at her and he goes, well, now they'll come for you. And they did oh my god i have chills so while philip is locked up in his psych ward the other family members start to experience a heightened amount of activity they like all good religious families back then have a bunch of crosses like Mm -hmm. decorating their walls around their house those start just disappearing Mm. they start just leaving the walls nobody knows where they are And so the family members, including Carmen and Alan, start feeling these entities groping them, slapping them. One time, Tammy comes up to her auntie Carmen and says, it's happening again. It's happening again. And Carmen can see the clear outline of a hand going up Tammy's shirt and like groping her. Oh, also weird things happen like the food in the fridge is rotting instantly. And what I mean by that is you'll look in the fridge for something to eat. Everything looks normal. You'll walk away and maybe an hour or two later you go back to grab something. It's all rotten and all the food has rotted out. The lights obviously flicker on and off. And in general, the house feels cold like it, it has a cold temperature And in general, just kind of bad smell like rotting flesh. Carmen is repeatedly spiritually attacked. She'll go into these trances that you can't break her out of. And then she'll just collapse and and pass out. 
And she said when she was like that, she would have these very vivid visions of the spirits and the entities kind of talking to her. And she would wake up and she would be laying on the ground and she would see her family surrounding her and they had been praying over her and like they were all holding fucking Bibles and crucifixes and shit trying to get her to come back. Sure. So that's, you know, what's going on with Carmen. Cool. Mm -hmm. Not a big deal or anything. (laughs) Carmen is also attacked in the shower. The shower curtain like wrapped around her, like trapped her. Yep. And her niece had to come in and like pull her out. They said that the entities basically liked to attack you when you were alone. Mm -hmm. And of course, when you were alone the most in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So the family starts going to the bathroom in the buddy system. Yeah. Um, Which makes sense, but it's also embarrassing but you don't want to be fucking attacked by shower curtains while you're in there meanwhile philip has graduated from the psych ward and has moved in with other family members does not live in the house anymore and wouldn't you know it his visions and all of the shit he was experiencing is gone however the rest of the snedker family does not want to move because they are scared that the entities will follow them to other locations Kind of like our episode about Conjuring One, which was episode 45 titled The Anniversary Episode, which was our very first Ed and Lorraine Warren episode. Yeah, it sure was. But if you remember, the Perrin family was haunted. The mom especially, they were like locked onto her. Oh, yeah. So they were like, you can move, but the ghosts aren't going anywhere. Plus, the kids have noticed... They had noticed some activity happening when they were outside the house, like hanging out with their friends. And they said it was stuff that their friends probably wouldn't notice because they didn't know what to look for. Okay. But the kids noticed it happening. Yeah. Outside of the house to their friends and to them. However, it is to be noted that the friends who are now grown up that were interviewed for the documentary mm-hmm. went on record as saying they never saw Anything weird happened at that house. They had spent the night multiple times, had never seen anything weird at the house. And the neighbors that had been living there at the time never saw the family in any kind of distress. Yeah. So they said, if this shit was happening, wouldn't we hear screams? Yeah. Why is everybody so fucking happy go lucky out on the front lawn having barbecues and shit? Mm -hmm. You think they'd be more traumatized? Okay. Now, they call for help from a few priests. They don't really get any real help from that. The final straw happens when a rosary that niece Tammy wears all the time kind of levitates off her chest and, like, chokes her out a little bit. And then it breaks free of her neck and, like, slams into the ground and breaks into, like, a bunch of pieces. Gotcha. And that is the final fucking straw for Carmen and she has had enough dealing with priests and she calls in the big guns Ed and Lorraine motherfucking Warren the Warrens show up and Lorraine immediately feels the bad vibes walking into the house she was still alive for this documentary so they did interview Lorraine for the documentary love it 
She said you could feel the fucking tension. You could feel the evil spirits. And when they got there at this point, the whole family, including dad, Alan, who used to be a naysayer, are all sleeping together in the living room on like blow up mattresses and cots and stuff. Like you said, the buddy system. They don't want to be alone. Ed and Lorraine also bring their nephew and fellow paranormal investigator, John Zaffis, who says, quote, compared to that house, the other cases I had been involved with were like dealing with Casper the friendly ghost. Dang. All three agree that this is one of the worst cases they have ever dealt with. That's saying something. Mm-hmm. And Ed and Lorraine realize quickly that they need to get the Catholic Church involved. They need to call the higher ups in ASAP. So they suggest to the family to go public with their story, get the media attention on them. So the Catholic Church will like be more, I guess, uh, pressured to act. So they do that. They become an instant media sensation. They have uh, news people and journalists camped out of the in front of their house at all times, um, which pisses off their neighbors and also gets the kids bullied at school. Oh, they're like, yeah, your family's fucking crazy. That's awful. John, Ed and Lorraine's nephew, claims that he saw an apparition, a ghost, a whatever, appear at the st- on their stairs. And it said to him, quote, do you know what they did to us? Which brought up a good point. And that is they can't figure out why this house is haunted because it was a funeral home. Which means nobody actually died there. Okay. The bodies are brought in. True. There's no violent deaths or bad. The bodies should technically be tied to the position or to the place where, where they, they died. died. Not to the place so where the was So why is this taken. funeral home haunted? Okay. And the only thing John can come up with is that the Hallahan family, while they were running their funeral home, must have abused and desecrated the bodies so badly that had caused a haunting. However, again, there is zero proof to back this up. Mm -hmm. And everybody who knew that family said that they were on the up and up. Mm -hmm. So do with that what you will. They do. However, this does get them a proper exorcism led by the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And after that exorcism, all the haunting activities stop. Later that year, the family finally moves out and they have no further problems from their haunting years. So that's the end of that story. However, naysayers include the neighbors. Right. Who are pissed off about the media circus around their houses and say that they never actually saw the family. Which could be their motivation to discredit the haunting. Of course. Absolutely. Um, Another naysayer is the homeowner, their landlord, who said it's quite the coincidence that the hauntings would always really ramp up when the family was behind on rent. So the minute they got behind on rent, the hauntings got worse and worse. And Mm. he believes the family was doing it for a money grab. That's unfortunate. 
And also some naysayers, the current owners who have owned that house, at least whenever I read the articles I read, Mm -hmm. they had lived there for the past 10 years, said they had no problems in that house, and they actually loved their house very much. The family also um, somehow got mixed up with this guy named Ray Garten, who is an author. He wrote a book. And he kind of just shit on the family and threw Ed and Lorraine under the bus. And it really upset Lorraine. She fucking does not like that guy. I mean, obvious. And she does not appreciate what he had to say about her husband, especially because her husband at that time was no longer around to defend himself. So she really came out swinging, of course, for Ed, as we would expect. Of, Of course. Nothing less. No. And that leads me to actually this quote from Lorraine. Um, It's in one of the articles I read. It says, quote, it's a case that was much, much scarier than any movie could ever be. She said that in typical Hollywood fashion, the movie is about as far fetched from the actual case as it could be. The movie is very, very loosely based on the actual investigation. She said, you don't know how many phone calls I'm getting. It's embarrassing. Do you know the amount of time and effort that we put into that case? Do you know how many meetings with the clergy we had to do to finally bring closure to the family? So she's basically saying, you can have all the naysayers in the world. Don't shit on her and Ed's work. They put tons of hours and days and weeks into this. It was super hard to get the clergy involved and to get a proper exorcism. As we've talked about before with cases with Ed and Lorraine, you really have to like cross your T's and dot your Mm -hmm. I's to get the Catholic Church involved. So take that with what you will, that it was serious enough to get an, uh, an official exorcism from the Catholic Church. Unfortunately, Phillip's cancer did return later in life. Wow. He died in 2012 at 38 years old due to cancer. Carmen, when interviewed by people, basically was saying how emotional it was for her to see that movie and to see those kind of the worst years of her life played out on the big screen and how traumatic that is for her. However, it is to be noted that she still gives interviews to kind of anybody who will ask for them. And um, she loves that this kind of opened her eye to like her own sensitivity to like paranormal things because it really helped with her real estate business. Oh, that when she goes to sell a house, if she feels the bad juju or she feels like it's haunted, she can warn the person potential home buyers yeah of course obviously there you go that's the real life haunting in connecticut and another ed and lorraine for (laughs) you wow the ed and lorraine took me for a real surprise really Mm -hmm. they're not in the movie no (gasps) did you not know until you showed up here tonight i knew only because i am db because i researched the movie so heavily there we go yeah it was one of the trivia facts that i have noted at the very end because i wasn't sure if you were gonna have out as part i just assumed it was part of the movie i mean ed and lorraine those are big hitters i know how could you not have them they're 
not in the movie. Spoiler. All right. They're not in the 2009 haunting in Connecticut. We hear the creepy piano music play in the background when we see a series of old black and white, like sepia type photos go across the screen. It's the dead bodies that you were talking about Mm. staged for like these weird family photos. It's like a a last moment of sorts. Is it like I've seen them for like Victorian era photos where they'll like prop up the body and like pose around it. Big time. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then we get, of course, our uh, based on a true story on the screen. It's June 19th, 1987, when we are introduced to the Campbell family. Mom Sarah, or should I say T.K. Jensen from season 8, episode 9, 13, 16. Happy birthday, Mr. Monk. Yes! Mr. Monk is the best man. And Mr. Monk in the end. Part two. There's so many. Three episodes. Oh my god! (laughs) Wow. What a way to kick off Spooky Season—a triple monk. Oh my god! A triple monk. We've never had a triple monk before, ever. When I saw. Wow! 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 Dad Peter, who we all remember as Jim Walsh. From his role in the Alphabet Killer episode, M is for Monk. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's a quadruple Monk. We're breaking records here. I'm too drunk for this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. They're struggling. If you say another Monk, I'm going to pee my pants and laugh on the floor. (laughs) Oh, they're struggling. We're struggling. Oh, my God. We're all struggling. Okay, to keep up on finances, while caring for nieces, Wendy and Mary, their youngest son, Billy, and, of course, their oldest son, Matt, who is suffering from cancer and undergoing a special treatment in St. Michael's Hospital, Goatswood, Connecticut, which is hours away. (laughs) (laughs) okay the drive is excruciating for the whole family matt who has full body aches of course to stop and throw up every course the mom who's driving who's so exhausted she shouldn't be driving the dad at home at his breaking point trying to keep up the household with the other kids like it's a fucking lot it's a shit show man it's a lot. It's the we, worst. We don't know anything about it. No. <laughs> nope. Don't know anything about that, but sounds terrible. <laughs> Desperate for relief. They, of course, decide to move closer to the hospital, even though it's not within their budget. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do, huh? So when the mom finds Mr. Sinclair hammering for a, a, a for rent sign in the front yard of a charming and surprisingly affordable house due to its history. Some might remember Mr. Sinclair from his role as dad in Silent Night, episode 24, Jingle Our Bells. Oh, dad. Mm -hmm. Just dad. Just Mm -hmm. dad. 
So they move in, and the mom finds the pictures of the bodies. Mm-hmm. And Matt finds a dumb waiter that goes to the basement. <laughs> I was like, you shouldn't insult waiters that way. Just <laughs> normal, normal old house shit. Yeah. Just no cause for concern. That first night in the house, Matt starts to hear shit coming from the basement. So what does a severely immune, compromised teenage boy go do but, you know, investigate a fucking dirty, disgusting basement? Yeah, fuck it. Whatever. He sees a dead body while looking at his own reflection in the mirror and then wakes up in his own bed left to believe it was a fever dream caused by his treatment. Okay. Oh, I should say I I didn't write that down, but that's when they thought that Philip was faking it. Part of it was like, oh, maybe it's the meds. Yeah. Maybe it's the treatments that are that like is, fucking with him. That's heavily what the movie is leaning yes, into. Yes, I should have said that. I'm sorry. He then decides that his vision was a dream that was a sign that he needs to turn the basement into his own bedroom. Oh, okay. Because down there he will have his own bathroom and the rest of the family won't have to constantly hear him in pain yeah. and, you know, doing his thing. Now. In the basement, there is a set of locked wooden doors with weird glass windows that's too dark to see into, and no one seems to give a fuck. As we're saying, perfect. Let's. No one seems to fucking care what's on the other side. That's crazy. They're just like, oh, it's sealed off for whatever hazard. Like, it's just. There ain't no way I'm not opening those doors. Shit starts to escalate. Matt's seeing blood instead of water. Plates are moving on their own. Ghostly images. Is he the only one seeing this stuff? Yes. Okay. Ghostly images are popping up in the background. Matt can sense that something's off, but he's afraid to tell his parents because there's a catch to his treatment. If he starts to hallucinate or exhibit behavioral abnormalities, they will pull him from the study that is supposed to fucking save his life. That doesn't sound right. So, one night, Matt wakes up to see people in this fucking sealed (laughs) off room. For the first time, we see that it is a preparation room where the bodies get ready for burial or cremation. And the doctor inside is performing some weird fucking ritual where he carves all these incantations Ah. into the flesh. Yes. Meow, meow, meow. He tries to open the door and his hand is severely burned. So the next day, his doctor is examining the burn and they decide it's a result of the treatment. Okay. Again, Matt is trying to rest when he wakes up to these noises from behind the glass. And this time the door opens and inside we see left behind in the sealed off room are these fucking rusted autopsy tools this cremator the fucking table you name it right all the good shit dad and brother billy go to check on matt and they find him in there and the dad is pissed at the mom like you didn't think to fucking mention why the house was so cheap (laughs) (laughs) yeah they agree to stay however while matt goes through his trial and that they'll move as soon as he's done Matt, of course, becomes spiritually connected to a boy named Jonah, who is making his visions worse, and it's harder to hide from his families. 
listeners are going to remember Jonah as Dennis, also from Jingle Our Bells. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know. Who else Why might we remember from this fucking episode 24, Jingle Our Bells? Not the woman playing Matt's chemo nurse <laughs> who played mom. Just mom. Just mom. We got mom and dad. <laughs> fucking three years later, yeah. they just fucking cast all these people. That's so funny. Okay. On a more important note, we got to get serious. Matt is in treatment with none other than Sergeant Jack Mullans from episode 50 Zodiac or or Abel Campos from The Fourth Kind. Oh, my God. You know what's so funny is, and I'll post it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I have a Fourth Kind TikTok no. ready to be posted to our incredible Instagram. Yes. So from here on out, he will be known as Abel. Yeah. Abel from Fourth Kind. I'm <laughs> posting that TikTok. It's basically a guy saying how scary the Fourth Kind is. And if anybody disagrees, they're full of shit. And they're <laughs> gaslighting you. <laughs> that is a scary our, fucking our movie. Our whole friendship is just me gaslighting yeah, I know. You. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. So in order for the dad, Peter, to work, he has to go back and forth between contracting jobs out of the state. Uh So he's out of town and the mom's running errands and Matt and the kids are playing hide and seek. We all know how that goes from our conjuring episode. Yep. Matt sees a vision of a ghost played by Jonah and then he's being dragged down in the basement. Matt follows the vision into the prep room, which is now full of dead bodies, and he gets locked in. Oh, perfect. Wendy hears Matt screaming. She finds the kids and then goes to find Matt in the basement. He does absolutely do the thing on the table where the, the brother gets the spinning on uh-huh, the gurney. Uh huh. That absolutely happens. So they're screaming and. Now, basically, both of the younger kids are terrified of Matt. He feels like he has no one to confide in, so he goes to Abel, who tells him that he needs to find out what they want. And from here, we see the mom coming home to find Billy and Wendy and Mary and Matt. Or no, sorry. So the mom comes home with Billy and Wendy and Mary, and they find Matt cowering behind a stack of furniture in the dining room. His hands are covered in blood because his fingernails had been ripped out from ah! clawing ah! at the walls. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate fingernail stuff. Yep. No. At this point, the mom and dad have no choice but to tell the doctors what's going on. And they do a scan and they find that it's not caused by tumors on the brain, so they will allow him to continue with the treatment. But now the mom's like, well, is the treatment even worth it? Like, am I going to keep my son? Like, is this what's driving him fucking crazy? So now no one knows how much time has passed. Matt is basically covered in burns from the treatment. And he's underweight. And he's sleep deprived. And he's like clinging on to hope that he's going to survive at this point. And these motherfuckers are always coming to him in his sleep. Which you know how much that pisses me off. Yeah. Like, of all the times. Please let me sleep. So we see this blackness come over him, and he starts 
to act real fucking suspicious around the kids. And Wendy can tell. Like, something's off. But this bitch suggests another round of hide-and-seek. Why? I don't know. Why do they like hide-and-seek so much? Billy, of course, decides to hide in the fucking dumbwaiter, but he's not the only one hiding in the dumbwaiter. Uh-oh. And then little Mary is falling through some floorboards in the attic, and when Matt and Wendy get to the kids and they get to Mary... They find a box hidden underneath the boards with more pictures of the bodies and pictures of people performing seances. And then, of course, Matt recognizes the boy Jonah in the pictures. And there's this fucking box full of people's cut off eyelids. Ew! What? Yeah. Why? Because that's what the doctor would do. He would like, yeah. Mm -hmm. No. The Hallahan family would never. Matt tells Wendy about the visions and they decide to go research in more detail at the library. And they learn about crazy Dr. Ramsey Aikman who owned the house and his research on the paranormal with medium assistant Jonah. Relatives would bring the bodies there for, like, one last opportunity to speak to their loved ones. And all of this was good until one seance when Aikman and the four others ended up dead and Jonah ended up missing. Okay. So they take the information to Abel and they pray for the bodies that suffered at the hands of Aikman. And when they all touch hands, Matt is transported back in time to this seance. And it's the night that everyone died. But, of course, Matt's mom walks in before we get to see all the fucking good shit. So, she's obviously like, who the fuck is this man? And what the fuck is going on? Mm -hmm. Kicks him out. And she's, or everyone's trying to explain the spirits in the house. And she doesn't want to hear any of it. And then... When you would think something bad's going to happen, it does, but not what you would expect. Instead, it's the dad comes home, and he was a once recovering alcoholic, and now he's fucking wasted right. and violent. Okay. And he comes home, so if the kids weren't scared enough, now they have to hear him smashing through the house, yelling, ungrateful family, this and that, blah, blah, blah. The mom gets him out of the house. Just in time, she gets the kids back to sleep. And, of course, the house starts to fucking glitch, just like our houses did last night. What the fuck right. Are right. Right. You know? Lights are flickering and phones are ringing and TVs are going on and off and not knowing who else to call. Finally, the mom, Sarah, reaches out to Abel like, okay, fine. Tell me this fucking theory that you have about this evil that lurks within my house. He explains that the reason that he and Matt can see the ghosts is because they're dying, right? They're closer to the other side. Okay. He believes if they remove the remains of Jonah from the house, it'll break the hold that it has on Matt. So he goes sifting through the remains of this fucking crematory oven thingy. Mm -hmm. And they think that they have Jonah's bone fragments or whatever, and they take it. And um, this whole time... The house is, like, going crazy inside, and Matt can see, like, ghosts coming for his mom. Okay. But, of course, 
everything fades away just in time and Abel and the mom are convinced like we've done it right because of course it would just it would be that easy that's what they all think yeah so putting the kids back to bed once again Matt hears or the mom hears Matt screaming down in the basement his skin is covered in the carvings that we saw Dr. Aikman do to his corpses. Mm -hmm. So Matt is now being transferred to the hospital as Abel's driving home, thinking everyone's safe. And then he hears something in his back seat. Uh oh. It's Jonah sneaking up on him, <gasps> causing Abel to veer off the road. Scary. So meanwhile, Matt is waking up in the hospital, 5150. Like he is coming face to face, or Abel's coming face to face. Jonah's ghost and realizing what actually happened that night. So Jonah didn't bring the evil to the house. The evil was already there because of what Dr. Eggman was doing to the corpses. Right. So the angry spirits went after Jonah and he was hiding in the dumbwaiter and it ended up taking him down to the basement and cooking him. Oh, so that's why his remains were down there. So, now that Jonah's been removed, no one's there to protect the family from the angry spirits left behind that are still at the house. Oh, shit. And the mom and dad are at the hospital learning that Matt's cancer, not only has it not been cured, but they're questioning why he's even still alive. Dang. Poor Wendy is at the house watching Billy and Mary... And she doesn't hear Abel because she's in the shower being strangled by the curtains. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. I forgot to mention, I didn't put it anywhere in the notes, the rotting f- food definitely yeah. did come up. Okay. Okay. So, Wendy escapes just in time to see Matt, who also somehow escaped the hospital. He broke out of a window. He's coming towards the h- house with an axe. Totally unresponsive as Wendy's like trying to call out to him. So Wendy thinks he's possessed. It's giving Amityville Horror House. Big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the axe. Mm-hmm. Just when Wendy thinks that Matt's going to kill her with the axe, he slams it into the wall next to her and revealing a bunch of dead bodies hidden within the walls. Oh, lovely. He tells Wendy to get the kids out and whatever she does, don't let them put out the fire. Using the embalming chemicals from the prep room, Matt sets the house ablaze, scattering the pictures and the eyelids as it burns. Not the eyelids. Imagine the poor mom and dad driving up to the house to see everything on fire and finding out that Matt's trapped inside. The Matt goes, er, the mom goes in trying to find Matt. She fucking pushes through all the first responders. Finds her son's lifeless body and she's holding him, convinced they're going to die together in Mm -hmm. this blaze Mm -hmm. when they get pulled through. And as Matt is being pronounced dead, we see him on the other side with Jonah. And Jonah's like basically telling him it's okay to go back, you know, like go be go be with your family. And the movie ends with the mom, Sarah, revealing that Matt is still alive. And while most medical professionals didn't believe their story, it doesn't matter. 
because she knows what happened and why Matt was able to survive. And the ending notes confirm that Matt's cancer disappeared, but as you said, it came back years mm-hmm. later. The house was rebuilt and restored and resold, and none of the occupants since have complained of any disturbing occurrences since. And as I mentioned earlier, that even though the men- the movie didn't mention it, that Ed and Lorraine were, of course, part of the case. And another note is The Haunting in Connecticut 2 is also loosely based on a true story. Oh. So we might have that to look Maybe next to. spooky season. Mm-hmm. But now my face makes a lot more sense because yes. you've been staring at me for like fucking five hours yeah. at this point. I know. It's starting <laughs> to get smeared, actually. Oh, I'm sure. I've touched it so many times. So the movie actually, I mean, it has some stuff that's the same, but it's it's pretty far off. They really rolled. Oh, God damn it. Not me trying to break it here <laughs> in the last whatever few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. No, they really leaned into the whole cancer and the... The weird Dr. Aikman. Yeah, they made... Because, again, I reiterated a few times that the family that ran the They said it was, they were, were the up and up. A legit mm-hmm. family and with a legit so, business. But in this movie, they were fucking weird, evil mm-hmm. people. And, yeah, they really leaned into that part of it, for sure. So, yeah. So, I'm going to give it a three honey boo-boos. Uh, oh! <laughs> because they did. They got... You know enough of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a it's a it's a decent start. Is it a fun? I just want to know: is it a fun movie to watch? Is it like a no? Good- I cried. Are you kidding? It's a kid who has cancer, right? With his family being haunted. It was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it hit all they, the sore spots. None, none of it. None That's of it so, was fun. No, That's so funny. No, they were not fun hauntings. Mm-mm. Besides, okay. besides the monk reference, really bringing me to life in, wow. in Abel Campos. Yeah. Uh, it All was, right. It was a real Debbie Downer. All right, three knives. Mm-hmm. Love it. Great. Yeah. So your look of the week is the incantations carved into my skin. I made. We might have to redo some. That's fine. I made my daughter do her poof words on my face. It's her sight words oh. in Spanish because I figured that was close to like some weird Latin shit. Right. <laughs> I love it. And then I tried to fill in some blanks and now you're going to try to fix me up. Yeah. We'll and figure God it out. damn it. If we don't survive until tomorrow when we do homework for That's right. our, our 100th don't episode. Don't say anything. No, we're doing homework for our 100th episode. If you can guess, tomorrow is Ooh. October 1st. Why would we be going out and about to do homework? What homework is there to be done for this podcast? For our 100th episode. And the last horror fran- franchise that, that we haven't we can, done yet. That we can realistically do. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm so excited. I cannot wait for our 100th episode. What could it be? I have, I have some stuff. I'm, up my sleeve. That's why I feel like we have to start it early because poor you, it's a Friday because we're trying to do Friday the 13th. You have to work the next day and with yeah. all these with all these fun activities we want to do. I know, but there's only one Friday the 13th in October. We got to so live we it. Gotta, we got to live it. So our 100th episode will be on a Friday the 13th in October. We have a huge episode coming up. We have lots of surprises for you. I'm going to be working very hard for the next two weeks to line all of that up we're very excited 
Until then, to see pictures from this week's kind of shit show of an episode, go to THC Podcast on Instagram. Feel free to leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. Uh, if you want. I mean, you can leave less stars. It's fine. But you don't want to. We're the eh, best. It's fine. Slide into my DMs. Talk to me on Instagram. I do talk back. See pictures of B's look you of the do week. You talk back. I you do. You really do. No, I'm just saying you absolutely I know. You put that back. show on my fucking gravestone, uh-huh. baby. I do talk I back. I do talk back. Um, and see pictures of B's look of the week. Pictures of this week's episode. Um, THC podcast on Instagram. Other than that, we out. What a it's, shit show. So it's only an hour and a half of actual recording time, Bailey, but we've been in here for about three hours. Oh, easy. That's what I'm saying. The fact that my face hasn't completely melted off. Yeah. We're Crazy. done, but we are excited for next week's episode. We're excited for spooky season. <sighs> Our favorite time of year is here. Join us on the ride. We love you. And we will see you. Yeah. Next time. Meow. Bye, guys.